Hi, people. Um, welcome back to my podcast. Um, so today I'm doing the podcast outside. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. So you're going to hear a lot of background noise, like those cars. <laughs> a lot of white noise um, is going to happen in this podcast. Um, but frankly, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> because um, I felt like doing a podcast outside. I didn't really want to sit inside and do a podcast. It's kind of funner to be outside and chat. And I don't really care if, like, my neighbours can hear me and all that shit. Like, yeah, that's going to get annoying real quick for me, but whatever. It's just nice being out in fresh air and <clears throat> chatting. Um, so, yeah, I felt like doing another podcast. It's actually quite soon after my last one because I think the first podcast I did... I didn't do a podcast again for like, I think, two weeks. Like I said, I'm not going to be consistent with this. It's just whenever I feel like doing one. Um, and so, yeah, <clears throat> I felt like doing one today. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm a smoker, so occasionally <coughs> you will hear <coughs> this grunting. Arlo. Arlo's being really cute right now. He's been so amazing. I've had... Uh, I've got a few different things I want to talk about. Um, so this podcast is going to be a little bit everywhere, but which podcast isn't? Like all my podcasts don't make sense. Um, so I just had my a therapy session. I haven't had a therapy session in about like two weeks, just over two weeks actually. Um, and yeah, it was really good. I had a lot of things... God, that wind is annoying. Maybe I shouldn't do this outside. No, it's okay. I had a lot of things that I had to work through. I still have a lot of things I had to work through. But today uh, I managed to talk about something that I've spoken about with friends and like people before, but I've never really properly like talked about it in – man, that wind is annoying, isn't it? <laughs> It's just going to distract me, but I don't know. I just don't want to sit out inside and talk. I want to be inside and I don't know how to get rid of this background noise. So I'm sorry. I'm not a genius. That is going to be annoying. People are going to hate this. I wonder if I can turn the, um, the gain down. I guess I can turn the volume down a little bit. Yeah. Although you can still hear it. I don't fucking know. Um, I'm just going to keep talking and regardless. So, my therapy session. People are going to hate this. I don't care. I had a pretty good one. Like, I don't know. It, every therapy session, you just never know, like, how it's going to go and what's going to happen. And I feel like I'm getting to places. I kind of let myself feel sad and, you know, pretty, pretty, like, I was in a lot of pain today. And there was one thing that I've never really... I've spoken, like I said before, I've spoken about this with some friends and family, but I've never really sat there and like cried and like felt how painful this thing was. And I've spoken to people, but basically my therapist was talking, I was talking to my therapist how I've never really been a kid. I've never really, like when I was a child, I never really had a childhood. I'd never really got to experience what that was like to, sorry, if this is distracting, I'm rolling a cigarette. <laughs> I never really got to experience childhood if that makes sense like never not really 
um, at all, to be honest. And she was like, well, was there times that you can think of where you were just freely expressing and being a child and just, you know, freely expressing, being yourself, out in the, you know, just really being who you are as a person, as a child, carefree. And it's really sad, but the times that I can remember doing that, they they closely got ruined by a lot of abuse. Um, and the one that I've told friends, family about, that kind of people obviously do have empathy for, but I guess they don't know how to handle it. And when I talk about it, I do talk about this subject matter and what happened to me kind of blase. And so I think people don't know how to receive it, but a lot of people are so used to the fact that I've been abused that people kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I guess it's just like the reaction and I'm just so used to it not being validated. But basically, and sorry, that's going to be annoying. Any friend that knows me, most like my true, true friends will know about my abuse when, you know, and things like that. Anyway, let's go back to the story. We started talking about, I was like talking about when I was a child and she was like, so you never had a moment where you felt carefree. And I'm pinpointed this moment. And I've, like I said, I've told this to so many people, um, but I've never really felt it. And this moment was when I was a kid, I always wanted to go overseas. I always wanted to experience snow. I'm a traveler at heart. I've always wanted to see other things and venture new places. And I've always had a fascination with the snow. I, I grew up watching American Christmas movies and I didn't understand why in Australia it's so fucking hot here in Christmas time and it's not like snowing and beautiful like it is in like America. I've always wanted to experience a white Christmas. That's always been like kind of like on my bucket list, I guess, if you could say. And I still never have. I've never been in the snow. I've always wanted to make snow angels and build a snowman and just literally have snowball fights, throw like pieces of snow up in the air and watch them fall. And so that was always something I always wanted to do as a kid. And so this memory that I had was when I was a kid, I, um, I, I wanted that experience. I was in my room by myself and so I thought there was all this like white paper that I had. I think it was used to colour in. And I was like, I'm going to rip up the paper into all these tiny little papery bits. Like really, so they look like snowflakes, right? And I want to throw them in the air and like just watch them fall and basically imagine that I'm in the snow. And um, so I did that. You know, that was my memory of being this kid, you know pretending that I'm in the snow. I was about four or five, I think, at the time. And this is like one of my earliest memories. And um, my stepfather came in and um, saw that I had obviously made a mess because there was like paper, bits of paper everywhere on the floor. He got so angry that he told me, you're cleaning all this up. He got this big... It's like this black metal thing. I don't know, metal, plastic. I don't know what it was. I think it was used for cars or something. And he whacked me in the nose. Um, obviously, when I say this, I'm kind of detaching a little bit from the traumatic experience that it was, which is what I always usually do when I tell people about this incident. And this was a regular occurrence. So it wasn't like something that just happened once. I got, there was several 
quite a few times where I had been abused. But this time was one where I kind of went back to the fact that when was I a child and when was I not allowed to be a child? That Those moments kind of taught me you can never be a child. You're not allowed to. You're not even allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to enjoy anything. Oh, don't don't enjoy something. It's it's You're going to get hit. Um, and that's always my fear with everything and everybody. And, um, and so in this moment when I told my therapist about this, it was the most incredible moment for me because it was the first time I've properly talked about this incident in particular or this feeling and it has been incredibly validated, like to the extreme. Like I've never – because like she's a psychologist, she knows what she's doing obviously, but I've never had a psychologist not not only just validate it but not be like, you know, or poor you because most people have that. They have that, oh – poor you, that, that, you know, whatever. It always kind of gets met with pity and, oh, your life was so hard and all this shit. It, my therapist doesn't really do that. Um, it's, you know, we talk about how this is so understandable, why I can't have normal relationships, why everybody is so scary to me, why confrontation and everything freaks me out or just even just expressing myself and doing things that I'm too scared to do you know like this these kinds of moments when I was a child held me back from doing so many things like I want to do acting maybe not as a career but I just I want to do it because it's fun and I don't do it because I'm so scared that again I'm gonna get hit if I express myself, if I do something, and I know that doesn't sound very logical. It's like people aren't going to hit you for just, even if you suck as an actor, they're not going to just go up and hit you. Like that's not normal. But it's something that is so ingrained to me as a kid because it happened so frequently. And when you deal with a level of abuse where you're dealing with it like on a daily basis, my sister used to say, if we didn't get hit in a week, we had done something right. We knew we weren't being troublesome or whatever and that's the sad thing we weren't actually troubled kids we were just kids we were, and we weren't actually making any mistakes anyway like a lot of the things we did weren't even they weren't even mistakes we didn't even do they, we, there were times when we didn't even do anything and we got here like it was just like ridiculous the kind of abuse and I'm not here to sit here and like blame everybody for that kind of abuse but that level that taught me at a very young age that I wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, that combined with my, you know, that abusive treatment from my stepfather plus the abuse from my mother and my father and all the adults in my life, um, I couldn't trust anyone. And I wasn't very close with my sister. I mean, when I was really little, I was close with her, but we kind of grew apart and I just felt so alone as a kid. I didn't really have any friends. I didn't really have anybody I could talk to. Um, I used to daydream and make up stories in my head and which I still do to this day because it's one of the things that makes me feel safe about my life. And I've been doing that for such a long time. It's so ingrained to me to escape from the real world, to go into a fake fantasy world because I don't – it's – ingrained to me that the real world is dangerous every time I do anything it's it, it's dangerous and to be honest I've because of that I got myself into dangerous situations where yes the external world is dangerous as an adult for me it has been you know I've been in some really scary situations and some very not helpful situations for me 
And it's quite sad. You know, I know that I'm probably the one hurting myself. But today I told my therapist, I said, you know what? No, this is not, I'm not going to sit here and continuously blame myself for shit that my fucking parents did, for shit that I couldn't control. Because I can do that to the nth degree. I'm like the world-class leader in self-blame and self-hate and saying that it is my fault and, you know, I need to take responsibility for my issues. And, yeah, I'm still going to take responsibility for my issues, but I'm so sick of the fact that a lot of people think that I always act like a victim. I don't act like a victim. In fact, I act like a fucking person that's been hurt. And the thing is I'm allowed to do that. I have a right. And I have my right to feel my anger. I have a right to be angry at people for doing bad shit to me. It's not fair that I went through this as a child. And yes, I am not going to be like, oh, it's an excuse to be an asshole to people. But to be honest, I haven't actually been that bad to anybody. I think people take a lot of my depression and suicidality as like, you're just trying to get attention and you're this like crazy person and you're abusing people. I'm like, me being depressed, I'm sorry if it affects you, but fuck you, man. Because the thing is, is that a lot of people don't understand, um, a lot of people don't understand when you've been living in this kind of world for such a long time, it becomes your normal. And when people have the first signs of depression and they've never had depression on this level before, they're like, what the fuck is this? They're so, they're so confused about what's going on. I've been living like that my whole life. I don't know a time where unless I was heavily distracted by a relationship, drugs, alcohol or a friendship, I was heavily depressed. And even in those relationships, I was still heavily depressed. I've always had depression and anxiety. I've never not been in hell. And I think a lot of people don't understand what that's like because they are heavily loving it and living in their distractions. Maybe not loving it, but they are heavily living in their distractions. And I've never had that because at a young age, I was always taught all this bad shit. Like I couldn't do anything. Not a, never allowed, never allowed to do anything, you know, oh, Beck, we can't do that. We can't afford it. Oh, Beck, we can't do this. This is too much money. Oh, Beck, you can't do that. I'm going to hit you. You can't do that. I'm going to swear at you. You can't do this. Um, you're too ugly for this. You can't do this. You're going to get raped if you wear that. You can't do this. It's always you can't. You're not allowed. This is what I was taught as a fucking child. <laughs> can't do anything sorry this is why I haven't gone overseas this is why I haven't done anything with my life because I've been taught don't do anything you're just gonna get punched all the time so that was my therapy session (sighs) but it was good I actually cried about it and I've never actually really properly like felt any sadness for that moment and realizing how I really dissociate from my emotions when I talk about that event. Even today I kind of am because I'm a little bit oversaturated in a way, like kind of just going through that therapy session. I just kind of wanted to talk about it and debrief. Sorry, I'm just smoking because I'm an addict. Lol. Cigarettes, by the way. I'm not smoking weed or anything. Um, Although I don't know. I think Kevin Smith smokes weed, doesn't he? I don't know. But 
I, um, yeah, that was an interesting session. I think it was good to just feel my feelings. I felt a little bit of anger. Anger still kind of scares me a bit. I'm not really good at feeling that emotion. Um, I have a lot of self-critical stuff that's still inside me and I think slowly but surely we're talking about it and I did actually want to touch on that moment today it was something I remember thinking I do want to talk about this because I feel like it's something that is so it's not even about the memory to me it's just about that moment that I realized as a kid don't do anything don't be a kid don't be a kid you there's no point don't don't be yourself don't do anything because this is just going to keep happening and you can't stop it. And you don't have any control and you're nothing. You're a piece of shit. You're ugly. This is, you know, the lessons I was taught as a kid were just like extremely self-damaging. And, you know, now I'm trying to fix those mistakes. And that's what got me angry because I was like, you know what, why the fuck do I have to fix this shit? They're the ones who fucking did it. They're the ones who abused me. And I'm the one who has to fix their fucking mistakes. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not the one who decided to be born. I'm not the one who had sex and gave birth to myself. I didn't choose this shit. You did take fucking responsibility. And I think that gives me a lot of anger. I do start speaking about that with a lot of anger because it does piss me off. And my therapist said, when you talk about it, you swear about it. It actually doesn't solve any issues. It kind of just, you know, it might feel good for a bit, but the issue's still there unless you actually sit there and feel it. And I have issues with that. I do try to, but I do like to talk about it because it is something that I am going through at the moment is processing that anger and the, the loss of having literally no childhood. I did not have a childhood at all. And that's fucked up. I didn't even get to have like the times that I was a child was in my brain. I literally would lay down in bed and imagine I had a different life. That was my childhood. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, woe is me. Oh my God, my life sucks. But, you know, it was hard. My life has not been fucking easy. And, you know, I didn't like going to school with sticky legs because my stepdad had hit me so hard in the legs that all the milk from the cereal had spilled down to my legs and cornflakes were stuck to it. Kids were paying me out for it. I was getting bullied because I was getting hit by my stepdad. It was such a really like, it was such a fucked time for me. That whole experience, I kind of always just say, yeah, it was pretty fucked. I was abused, but whatever, you know, so many people have been through worse, I bet. So why am I even talking about this? And I'm like, it's actually pretty bad if you think about it. You're a fucking child and you're getting hit. But just being a kid, not even doing anything, you know. And it really does damage you. Like I was dumb for like four years. Oh, when I say dumb, I mean like mute. I, I didn't speak. I really was so shy. I wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, I couldn't speak. It's like my mouth, my words were gone. And sometimes I've had conversations with people and they're like, oh, I can't hear you. Can you speak up? And it makes me really anxious because I don't – Sometimes when I do speak up, people don't like it. You know, I don't know how to have that medium because if I speak up, people think I'm being narcissistic or I'm being too loud or self-absorbed because I never get a word in because people always talk over each other. And then when I don't say anything, people are like, oh, you're talking too 
softly, can you speak up? And I'm like, well, I'm scared to speak up. I don't want to get fucking hit. I'm not saying people are going to hit me, but that's the immediate response. You know, it's it's very anxiety thing. I remember, you know, I had this instance. I don't know if I can talk about this because I might get in trouble. But anyway, one of my family members, um, I was with my boyfriend at the time and we'd gone to see a family member that I had and she um, – we were playing poker and I kind of didn't want to play poker. I'm not a big game person. Um, I like um, games like table tennis and um, volleyball and games like that, but I'm not really a big like poker person. You know, my dad played it and I just don't have really good memories of it. But my ex-boyfriend, at the, my, my ex-boyfriend, my then boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time was like this pretty big poker player. Like he had won like championships or some shit. And anyway my the family member I'm talking about she uh really wanted to learn poker so she's like let's play poker and I'm like okay cool let's play poker but you guys can play and I'll just sit on the sidelines she's like no you have to play and I was like okay I'll I'll play but I'm not really comfortable playing but can I just play for fun like whenever I played with my ex he didn't mind he said it's totally cool we don't have to play for real we'll just play for fun because I didn't really care to learn and he didn't really care about me learning I think he'd he always talked about poker with his friends so he didn't really care about me learning to play poker or if he did he never said anything about it and she's like you have to play serious and I just kind of retreated into myself where I just started being like okay I guess I will like I kind of talked like that like a kid and then she just said something like why are you talking in a baby voice for like just really not understanding she was just very ignorant I don't it's not her fault like I don't she just didn't really know what she was doing at that moment and right then and there, I just like completely retreated and stopped talking. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything now. Like this is just like, see, this is why I don't talk. This is why I don't say shit sometimes. This is why I'm going to be the quiet one in the car that doesn't say anything because every time I speak, it's either ignored or it's the most awkward thing and people think I'm weird and it's just like I can't say anything. And at that moment, I remember my boyfriend at the time, I bitch about him a lot, but he was pretty good. He was just like, oh, that's just what Beck does when she gets uncomfortable with um, when she gets anxious, basically. And I remember him getting annoyed saying, how does this person not know that that's how you get when you're not? And you know what? I'm not here to like bitch about people. I don't know if my family member will ever, this family member in question will ever hear this or if this person will ever remember this. But you know, that was really hard for me. Um, and those moments have happened quite a lot in my life where people don't understand why I'm not talking or why I'm talking really softly or why I'm talking too much. And I'm saying the same thing over and over again. It's because of my childhood and I'm not going to, I don't want to sit here and blame everything on my childhood, but it is a lot to do with that. I have a lot of issues and I retreat back to childhood and I still am trying to fix those issues. It's not like I'm always walking around going, oh, I'm not, I'm totally healthy. No, I know I have these issues and I am actively trying to fix them. I've seen 20 psychologists in my, I'm nearly 29 years old. In the next month, I'm going to be 29. So I've seen like 20 psychologists. So you do the math. It's like nearly a psychologist a year. So, you know, I, I have been trying. It's not like I'm not trying to fix my issues. I just get these are, these are the reasons. And so if anybody's listening out there who does actually know me or has met me before, this might actually give you some context as to why I'm the way I am and why I act this way. It's extremely hard 
every day to be me. <laughs> it's extremely hard. I have constant battles in myself all the time. And I know we all do, but I've been doing this for such a long time that sometimes I just get frustrated by other people when, yes, everyone goes through pain, but they are all so distracted. I've never been able to distract myself. I have tried to distract myself with drinking, with relationships, with jobs, with friendships, with networking, with just anything. And it doesn't work for me. I'm like a person that's already kind of, since a very young age, I've already been aware that the world is fucked for me. And not that the world, like obviously we know the world isn't fucked and there's beautiful things about the world, I don't know, whatever, but I've always been depressed. I've always been anxious. And sometimes I can hide it really well. I'm really good at hiding it. A lot of people are. A lot of people will be like, oh, you just don't know those people. They're good at hiding it. And that's true. But actively, I am always in pain. Always in pain. And the real acting for me is when I put on a facade every day. But I don't do that anymore. And I haven't been doing that for a few years. And people get confused. They're like, oh, you know, you're doing so much better today than you were doing yesterday, I noticed, because you're saying hello and you're being all bubbly. I'm like, no, today I just mustered up enough courage to lie to you about my issues, but I'm doing the same. I'm just lying to you about it today. You know, people, it's very interesting how people think you're better when you, you look happy. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes, um, you know, genuinely feeling content in your life is not acting happy. It's feeling it in your body and I don't feel it. I've never felt joy. I've never felt a moment of joy. I'd love to feel a moment of joy. Wouldn't that be a great feeling? It'd be nice. I have to say though, moving on from this depressing subject because I do actually want to move on in this podcast and I don't want it to all kind of be just about one thing. Um, I wanted to move on to a really cool thing that happened um, yesterday and something that's been happening for a week now is um, this connect, this insane connection and bond that I have with my dog, Arlo. And obviously this podcast name is Arlo's Mark. It wouldn't be Arlo's Mark without having a little bit of talk about Arlo in there. I feel like I don't talk about him enough. Um, you know, he is incredible. He's such an incredible soul. But we had an insane moment yesterday where I just broke fucking down, and which I do basically every day. And he's kind of used to it usually. Like he will sit there with me, just next to me. He won't sit on my lap. Sometimes he will, but usually he'll just sit next to me and he'll just be like, I'm here with you. You can cry it out. He doesn't always try to come up and lick my face. He's kind of just like letting me feel my feelings. He doesn't usually get that anxious about it anymore. He's kind of like accustomed to how I am with my mental health. He's an interesting dog. And, um, but yesterday I had this really amazing moment with my dog where I was feeling um, just, I was just going through that moment, that piercing moment, which goes on a lot for me. But this moment was, it was, it was one of those anxiety, depression. It was everything all at once, insane amounts of ruminating. And I was just looking up in the ceiling. I was on my, I was sitting down in my bedroom and I was looking up at the ceiling and just being like, can someone give me a sign that what I'm doing is right? I just really want to kill myself. I don't want to wait a year to kill myself. I just want to do it now. I'm just, I'm not in, I can't do this. Somebody tell me that I'm in the right direction. Someone give me a fucking sign. 
and Arlo just jumps. Oh, there's Arlo. He's just walked again. He just jumps straight onto my lap, kisses me once and then looks me dead in the eye. And it was like a weird fucking moment of, is this the sign? Like, is, is this the universe? I was like, is this a person? I was like, is this my grandma talking to me through my fucking dog? Like, this is so weird. Like, it felt so weird. And I don't believe in reincarnation, really. I don't really have any kind of belief like that. But it felt like I was, it was like this weird soul connection that I, that I had with my dog. And it was like, there goes a car ruining my moment. It was like one of the first moments where when I was just talking about joy before, I definitely felt, I don't know if it was joy, but it would be probably the closest thing to that or like love. I felt this insane amount of nurturing where I had this being with me, this amazing, incredible dog, Arlo, who I was like, this dog is giving me what I never had as a child. When I was a child and I went through these painful experiences, I didn't have this, you know, person, being, dog, whatever. I didn't have somebody to hold my hand while I cried. And that's what my dog was doing at that point. And it was almost like he looked at me in the eye and I don't know how to describe it, but it was almost like I got what we were communicating on a level that I don't know how to describe, but he was basically saying to me, this is what I got, he was basically saying to me, I got you back. I'm with you in this. You're not alone. I love you. And I... Like, this is like me crying because it was actually such an amazing emotional moment for me where I'm like, I've kind of taken my dog for granted the last couple of months. Hey, buddy. Yeah, he's coming up because you can see I'm crying a little bit. Um, I feel like I've taken it for granted a little bit. And because I've been so stuck in my hole, my depression has been so intense. And when he, when he basically communicated that to me, I was just like, okay, okay, this is what I... This is what I need, you know, and that combination of my dog and my therapist has just been so good for me, you know, and I just fucking love this dog so much. I can't describe how much he's, whoops, whoops I kind of had to start this up again because I was nearly going to accidentally go over another podcasting thing and I didn't really want to do that. Um... Sorry, I had to stop that for a sec. Right in my emotional moment, classic, life happens. But yeah, um, I really wanted to talk about this because this was a pretty big moment for me and Arlo's relationship. I feel like, you know, people don't understand. You actually do have a real relationship with your pets. Like, I really feel like my dog is a fucking person, especially in that moment. I'm like, oh my God, are you a fucking person? Like, what the fuck are you? Like, are you insane? Like... This dog is my fucking soul connection. He is my fucking sp- – like now I just have to say if I have a spirit animal, it's a fucking Springer Spaniel. That's my spirit animal. It's a fucking – not even a Springer. It's just Arlo. That is my spirit animal. Like he is just everything to me. And after that moment, it was just like this weird thing. And this whole week, it's so interesting. Me and Arlo have just gotten so close you know, we're always together all the time ever since he was a baby. It's always been, I've always been the constant person in his life. He's always kind of depend on me. But lately he's just had this, we've had this connection with each other where we just know when each other's anxious and we respect it and we're comforting each other in our anxieties. We know when the other person 
or dog, <laughs> I say the other person, because Ilo's like a person, we know when each other have our issues and our sadness and our anger and our torture and all that stuff, we can communicate. We, we've, we've got, me and my dog have better communication than I have with any person in my life. I'm not kidding. I have such a great level of communication with my dog, if that says anything, but I really do. I feel like we know each other on a level that my dog knows me better than I know myself which is insane. And I don't think anybody could ever know me the way that my dog knows me or as much as he knows me. He's seen everything, everything, things that I haven't even shared with my sister and she's like my best friend and I tell her everything. But he is literally everything to me. And so, you know, this was something that I really wanted to talk about because it was such a big moment and... I have gone through struggles with Arlo where it's been one of those things where he's just, I've never had much of a break from him and I'm always around him. And now I'm just, I guess, appreciating the fact that of what he is. And that's just an incredible fucking being and my best friend, my soulmate. I don't really believe in soulmates. I never really have. My mum tried to get me to believe in them and I kind of did for a second there. But now I realise maybe soulmates do exist and my soulmate is my dog. Like, I'm not kidding. He is my fucking soul and that is why to be honest I don't want to go to places without Arlo I think they're boring place going you know I have more separation with my dog anxiety with my dog than than he has with me which is probably bad I need to train myself and him to not be the way we are sometimes but at the same time I love going to places with my dog I love it when he's with me a lot of the times yeah I can't do certain things with my dog when he's there and that is tricky but it's always so much more boring without him. Like he just brings so much amazing crap to the table. He's such an amazing soul. And yeah, he barks at people. And I've grown to just kind of love and respect that about him. You know, he he tells it like it is. He doesn't like someone. Sorry, you're weird. You're wearing a hat. I don't like your hat. So he'll bark at you. Like, I'm sorry. That's just who he is. And if you're scared by it, then whatever. That's your perception. But he doesn't like, he's not super aggressive. Like he won't kill anyone on like five people or anything, but he's just like, I know my dog. Um, and I always have him on the leash. He's never off leash. So don't worry. I'm not like an irresponsible dog owner. And I do try to make sure he's not around people that I know is going to trigger him. I do, I do like to decrease his triggers, but also try to desensitize him to his triggers. Um, but slowly and surely I'm very, very respectful of Arlo's boundaries. Like for example, my dog doesn't like trucks or like construction workers and those anyone doing construction or big construction, those mixing, cement mixing trucks and things like that. Or like garbage trucks. He hates them. He gets really scared. I think a lot of dogs do. It's pretty understandable. There's some scary, there's scary fucking things. And um, instead of like just standing there or like walking in past there, which I used to do and being like, you've got to get used to this. I've realized that's just not the way it works with my dog. I have been slowly, what I've been doing recently is just kind of walking around it. So he can still see it, but he's not so close to those trucks. Um, but it's also just not elevating his anxiety. He really doesn't need to be around that stuff anyway. It's not a big deal, you know. And we're going at the pace that Arlo wants to go at. If he's too anxious to be around an area, we won't go to that area. I don't want him to be anxious. I don't want him to have an uncomfortable time. I want him to feel fucking happy. And, you know, i know him pretty well at this point where I know where he's going to be happy and where he's not going to be happy and myself because I have anxiety issues too and I don't want to go to like a skate park and see a bunch of teenagers being fucking annoying 
Ollie doesn't like it and I don't like it either. It's fucking anxiety inducing and they're fucking annoying. Like yesterday, I'm going to bitch. There were these fucking teenagers that were beeping their horn just trying to be funny and they could see that they could see I could hear it and I think they were trying to beep it at me. I don't know why teenagers do this, probably because they're so traumatised and they just want to have fun and be dickheads and narcissistic, but fucking hell, it was annoying. I literally wanted to turn around and say, shut the fuck up, because it was annoying Arlo. He was, like, getting freaked out. Why is the car making this noise at us? And I'm like, yeah, why the fuck is it? Because the teenagers are dicks. I just turned around and I was like, I gave them the worst look. I was like, fucking grow up, you little shits. Like, no one wants to hear you beeping for no fucking reason. The porn isn't there for you to beep and be a dickhead to me and my fucking dog. Just grow the fuck up. Anyway, I wanted to bitch about that today because um, that was so annoying. I don't like teenagers. They really, really piss me off. I'm going to be honest. I hate them with a fucking passion. (laughs) Just maybe don't beep at my fucking dog. That would be nice. My dog has issues. Maybe just like don't do that. Don't be a dickhead. Like my little brother is a teacher and he works at like a high school and he has to deal with teenagers and he talks about all the frustration of it. It's like, man, I could not do that. I couldn't do that job. I I think it's amazing that people do that job. I couldn't, I would want to punch the kids in the face. It's too tempting for me. They're so annoying. I hated teenagers when I was a teenager. I used to stand up and be like, oh my God, I hate, like we're fucked. (laughs) Why do we act like this? It's so ridiculous. But, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, um, that was a pretty powerful moment that I guess I really wanted to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what this podcast is about today. But, yeah, that was that was a really good moment. And um, if nothing else, if I don't do anything with my life, if nothing ever happens from my life, I know I had one amazing connection with somebody that yeah you could be like it was with a dog and I'm like I don't care dog spelt backwards is God or God spelt backwards is dog which one came first I mull that one over for a while but you know I I will always be proud of the fact that I have this connection with Arlo and no one can take that away from me and no one has this connection with Arlo I don't think anyone is as connected with Arlo as I am right now. Like, there's just no way. It's like that Wonderwall song. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. That's like, that's literally me and my dog. And um, he's just the best. I could rave on about my dog for ages. Like, I'm always saying he's the best. But for me, I know everybody will say their dog's the best. And that's true. Because everybody who has a dog or has this kind of connection with your dog will know what I'm talking about. You know it. You've had that moment with your... You've had those moments with your dog where you just are so connected. It is like you are just... It's not even like they're your kid or they're your friend or anything. It's just this weird soul connection with a dog that you cannot get with anyone else. Because I swear to God, he knows me better than anybody else. And people will tell you, like, that is why, like, guide dogs and, you know, therapy dogs and, you know, what's the other version of a guide dog? Like, dogs that help people with disabilities. I forget the name of the word. It's um, whatever. 
assistance dogs or whatever, that's why it's always dogs that do this because you can't have it with cats. Cats, no offence, but they're a little bit snobby. Like, I guess cats can be companion animals. Like some of them are a little bit more friendly, but they're a little bit snobby and up themselves. Like no offence to cats. I love them, but fucking hell, man. Dogs are better. Like let's be real. If you want to fight me about this or challenge me about this, I will win every time. Dogs are just like, I don't know. They're just, in my opinion, the like best. And we domesticated them. We actually have to take care of them. Like our ancestors have domest- our ancestors have domesticated them. We have to take care of them. That's just like what we have to do. Um. Uh, but yeah, they are definitely the best domesticated pet, in my opinion. Like you can't challenge me. <laughs> But again, it's all perspective. People can have that moment with a cat, you know. It's it's not like just thingy, but they truly are amazing. And well, my dog in particular for me has just been a really amazing dog. And I even went back to a memory when I was a kid. Always as a kid, I wanted a dog. I really wanted just a dog to help me go through my traumas, hold my hand while I cry through all the trauma I was going through at the time. I never got that. But now I realise... I can have that and I can experience that even as a kid. I'm not, yeah, technically I'm not a kid anymore, but I still am. That, that kid that got hit as a, that, that little girl that wanted to be in the snow, she's still there and she gets hit. But the great thing about this is now I can go back into that memory, back into that feeling, cry about it, feel the pain and have someone nurture me while I'm going through that because that's all you ever want as a kid is someone to nurture you and hold your hand while you cry and hold you while you're going through some horrific traumatic events. And that's what I get with my dog. He holds me and he protects me while I go through the storm of my traumas, while I go back through these memories and these painful experiences. And I'm lucky that I have him, that I have this beautiful, amazing, I can't even describe what he is, it's undescribable. He's just, you know, he's exactly what I need right now. And I'm so glad I never gave him away. I'm so glad that I've stuck with him and he's stuck with me. And we've just built this incredible, amazing bond that I could not, I don't know, I have never had this bond with anybody and I don't think I've ever felt as close to anyone that I feel to my dog. And it sounds crazy, but if my dog was a like a guy, that would be like the perfect guy for me. <laughs> Just this amazing, supportive, nurturing person that could hold my hand while I cried. That's like really all you want in a person. But yeah, that was my little story about Arlo. He's so gorgeous. He's just the best. Yes, I'm still smoking the same cigarette. I love coffee. Um, Okay, so, yeah, that was something I really wanted to talk about. This podcast is, I guess, a little bit more layered than my other podcast. My last one, don't feel free to not listen to that one. That one was a fucking hot mess and just really whack. I didn't even talk about anything. It was just... It was shit. Um, but, yeah, it's good to talk about this stuff. I like talking about the good stuff as well as the bad because I've got a lot of bad and sometimes it gets a little bit draining. But 
that was that. Mm. That was that. Um, the other things, I, the other things I probably have on my mind to talk about that are more like kind of trivial shit is I've been rewatching um, because they've got this new podcast, Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark. I think that's her name. What's her name? Is it Melinda Clark? What's her name? I don't know what her name is. The chick who plays Julie and the chick who plays Summer on the OC have this um, podcast called Welcome to the OC, Bitches. And it's pretty cool, actually. I really liked uh, watching that. It's pretty interesting. Um, And so it made me want to go back and watch, like, the OC. And my brother was going back and he was watching season four of the OC, which, by the way, is the best season of the OC. It's fucking incredible and, like, definitely their best shit. Just amazing but then I went back and I remembered season one being really good so I was like let's go back and watch season one and fuck it's not very good (laughs) sorry I'm gonna be most unpopular opinion it's not very good I mean look there's some amazing gems the pilot's pretty good and there is like some good moments and Seth is really funny and Seth and Summer's thing is pretty hilarious but there's so many issues that they kind of blase over. Like, did anybody realize how crap Jimmy Cooper was as a dad? Like, oof, I got really badly, I got kind of triggered in those, those, that season. Like watching season one again, I'm like, this just reminds me of my shitty deadbeat dad. <laughs> Legit. I'm like, he's so fucking neglectful. This character, he, you act, you think Julie is the worst parent, but I think they were both pretty crap parents, but I think he was definitely the worse parent if you wanted to, you know, I mean, I don't know. They were both just shit, kind of equally bad, but I feel like it was kind of sad that Julie got all the crap for being the only crap parent. And I'm like, mate, did you see Jimmy? He was so neglectful. Don't remember which episode it is, but I think Kirsten's asking where, um, uh, what's her face? Marissa. Sorry, I forgot her name. Where Marissa is. And he's just like, I don't know. She always gets back really late. And it's like, what the fuck? This is why she has alcohol issues. You fucking don't pay attention to the fact that she's passing out all the time. She's passed out and you just don't even give a shit that she's passed out somewhere. Like you really don't care about your fucking daughter. All Jimmy cares about is wanting to fuck Kirsten, his ex. So he wants to break up a marriage because he's a fucking psychopath. And the fact that he's lost people's money and doesn't actually care that he's lost people's money. Oh, wow. I have to deal with the consequences of the fact that not only did he, it wasn't that he lost the people's money. He could have actually approached them about that. It was the fact that he decided to fraud people out of their money. And like, what the fuck? This guy's a psychopath. Why do people think he's amazing? I don't think actually fans think he's amazing. I think everyone knows Jimmy's a shit character. Even the actor thinks he sucks. But in the show like it's looked at like he's this victim and julie's this evil demon it makes sense that julie would break up with him a he doesn't really love her he's in love with kirsten and b he fucking lot he he should go to jail he shouldn't he should deal with these consequences and it's almost like marissa is like a mirror for him she sees her dad grow up not dealing with any consequences of his own. So that's how she acts. She goes out and does all this fucked up shit and just doesn't deal with consequences because that's how she grew up. She watches her dad do that. She's like, okay, I can get away with the same thing. Not actively thinking that, but yes, unconsciously she's saying, she's basically doing all these fucked up things and just basically thinking she doesn't need consequences for them, which she does. And 
just re-watching it, the way they dealt with mental health was fucked up, man. The way when Marissa, when Julie was concerned about her daughter and wanted her to go see a psychologist, which she fucking should, and probably go to like a mental health facility or a rehab facility because she does have alcohol issues as well as having anorexia previously and all this kind of mental health stuff. She probably should be in a fucking therapist, see a therapist, obviously. And so Julie thinks that's a good idea for her to do. Goes about it a little bit to the extreme, but her intentions are the right intentions. And everybody thinks that's fucked up, that she wants her daughter to get professional fucking help. Are you insane? You're the insane one. They're saying that... And Marissa, obviously, she doesn't understand because the way our society grows up, it treats mental health like it's this insane thing. And so... Marissa immediately thinks, oh, you want me to go to a mental asylum. And you call th- we call it an asylum. It's not a fucking, it's not a place for people, you know, not everybody with mental issues are people that see demons everywhere. I mean, we do, we project that shit on, but it's not like, not everyone has schizophrenia. And even if you do, that is a pretty fucked up debilitating mental health. And you stigma, and it's so stigmatized. You are stigmatizing mental health in this fucking show. It's so damaging for kids to watch the OC. I think season four is probably the best, a better season to watch if you're getting into the OC. I think don't bother watching the other seasons, just watch season four. But season that that the show was just so did not understand. And it was just, it was written in a different era. So I'm not going to blame it. A lot of it was written in that era. But it was, it's so, kids should not watch it. Teenagers should not watch The O.C. It is so, it glamorizes the fuck out of suicide. It is one of the shows that I don't, I don't know any show that's glamorized suicide more than fucking The O.C. It's just crazy. And it really, really stigmatizes mental health, you know, um, to the point where it makes it look like you're insane for going to a psychologist. Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why are you going to a psychologist? Summer says this, this they give Summer this fucked up line to say where they say, Julie, um, you know, Marissa's mum's insane. She wants to take her to the insane loony bin or some shit. Um, and I'm like, so that's what we're going to call people who have mental health issues, that they're all just insane. You know what's insane is going through life pretending that you don't have issues when everybody has issues and you're not going to see a therapist. You're the fucking insane ones. The ones that aren't insane are the ones that are in the fucking mental loony bin, is that what you call it? And at the time, that's what they thought of mental health and that's a sad thing. But this should not be a show that teenagers watch. It should not be a show that teenagers watch. It's the worst fucking show for kids to watch. I can watch it and understand how fucked it is and think it's quite toxic and watch it as an adult. But please don't watch it. It's not a good show to watch. Um, Season four is amazing, but the first three seasons are so sackable. They're shit. You don't need to watch them. Um, Oh, fuck, it's getting hot. I'm just going to move my um, podcasting equipment. Hold on a sec. It's getting really fucking hot here. I'm like... to move. Hold on a sec. Just move my shit over. Hey, Wilo. Whoops. Hey, little man. You gonna go on your seat? Hey, baby. 
Sorry about that. I just had to move. Hello, Bobby. Where are you? Hey, baby. Hello, little scratchy bum. Ala just came in for a little bit of a scratch. Sorry about that. I was just getting fucking hot. It's hot here in Wyala. It's fucking getting hot today. I don't know why. It's nice, but fucking hell, man. Did not expect that sun to be searing on my fucking back. Um, yeah, fuck. What was I saying? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. I'm just I, – I think people saying that people should get into the OC, you know – as a show that kids should watch or teenagers should get into, it's just it really isn't a good show to get into. Unless you're like you, you understand mental health and you know that that shit's fucked and you can be like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But if you know nothing about it, just it just portrays that it keeps mental health stigmatised and it keeps it at this thing of that only crazy people go to mental health, that it's only for crazy people. And A... You know, even the people that you quote unquote call crazy, which is people that are going insane and seeing voices, they didn't just start out like that. You know, there's a lot of combining issues with that. And, you know, if it wasn't so stigmatized in society, Marissa wouldn't have felt like that. And, you know, as a kid, I always felt like I wanted to go to one of those places. I wanted to be in a treatment center. I wanted to go to a rehab facility to work on my mental health. I never had the money to do that. Marissa did. And, you know, she's not her fault. She didn't know that mental health is actually something you could fix and it's actually a privilege that she could go there and have the money to work on her mental health and get better as a person. But and it's just fucked up that everybody thought Julie was an asshole for her intentions. She went about it in a forceful way, which is not something I agree with. But she was really acting out of fear. She didn't want her daughter to kill herself and she really felt like her daughter needed help. And Julie even said herself, I'd rather have her hate me now than have her be dead later. Like it's just, it's not, it's, 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 it's very true. And like Julie was almost the parent that was like, I'm totally cool to be hated. If you want to fucking hate me, go for it. I'm doing this for your own good. And it's true. You know what? She was doing it for her own good. She didn't care about being liked by Marissa. She just wanted Marissa to get help. And if also, if that meant for her to hate on Julie and realize all the trauma and for Julie, because if she had gone to therapy and done ISTDP or psychodynamic therapy properly, it would have brought out some conversations and it maybe would have had an impact on Julie to actually change her actions as a parent to be like, look, mom, I've gone to therapy and this is what we need to discuss. You've done, you've been quite psychologically abusive to me my whole life. Let's talk about this. And that might've actually been able to make change with Julie as well. I think that the fact that everybody was wanting to ignore these issues. Also, are we forgetting the fact that Julie didn't even know that Marissa had gone to Tijuana? She put Julie, she put Marissa in, Jimmy's care and look what happened. Marissa didn't even really want to go to Tijuana. She wanted to stay and spend time with her dad. And yeah, they were getting that divorce, but fucking hell, man. Her dad could have sat her down and had that emotional conversation with her and said, hey, we're getting divorced. It's not about you. Let's discuss it. No, instead he's like, no, I can't be a parent to both of, I can't look after both of us. You need to go to Tijuana where she goes, kills herself. Yeah, you're a fucking great parent, Jimmy. You are literally the reason she fucking tried to kill herself. You're a fucking, hey, Arlo, you're a fucking coward and you're a shit parent and I'm so glad he left. He was horrible. Oh, just, just shit. And I'm definitely not going to be on Team Julie in terms of everything. But in this instance, I have to say, like, she, all she was trying to do was help her fucking daughter. I don't know why I'm ranting and raving about this, but it does go into like spe specifics about mental health and stuff. And 
you know, Josh Schwartz, to his credit, he was 26. He was 26 or 27. He really didn't know what he was doing. And to be honest, I think he's actually a really incredible writer. The way he wrote the fourth season was amazing. The way he wrapped up the series was incredible. And so I'm not going to give the show shit. I'm not going to say it's a crap show. I just think that when people say season one was the best, I think they should maybe reevaluate and realize the best season was season four. Like it really was and made more sense. You got to see more of the characters and their interest their intricacies and shit like that. They focused more on mental health. People actually went to the psychology, psychologists. I feel like Julie really needed to see a psychologist that season. Really every character in the show needs to see a psychologist. But it was really, really cool how you had characters like Taylor in season four, knowing that they had these kind of mental issues and actually wanting to fix them themselves. There is a scene that's so amazing where um, she says to – Taylor says to – Seth, yes, okay, so what? I have a psychological predilection to become romantically attached to men who are nice to me due to the fact that I was raised by a she-wolf of this mother who practiced emotional terrorism on me. And that's a really incredibly insightful way to be. She knows she's like this. She does actually want to fix it. She goes to a psychologist and says, I need help, doctor. I'm, I'm doing all these crazy things and I know it's bad. It's all traced back to my childhood. I want to get better. And I think that's a healthy way to look at things, not portraying mental health in season one was portrayed as like this, oh, Julie wants to take her daughter to this crazy place with crazy people. What a horrible mother. She Mental health, it doesn't exist. It's shit. And anybody who has a psychological thing is fucked. And it's like, it's like everybody is an Oliver. Not everybody is Oliver, by the way. And Oliver also had some really fucked up issues that – you know, I could go in and talk about more, but I don't know. Just the way they dealt with mental health in the first season was just not okay for me. And as a person that actively goes through this shit since I was a baby, I just don't agree with it. And I knew when I was watching it at the time when I was a kid, I'm like, this makes – why is this making me want to suicide just because it's like cruel? You know what I mean? It just seemed like she she kills herself in this fucking alleyway. She, tra- she tries to commit suicide in this alleyway and Ryan's holding her up. She's wearing this like white shirt and it's like hey, this hero saving her and it's almost like this weird thing that's teaching kids, yes, just go off every time anything bad happens, kill yourself and then you'll get someone saving you. It's like really – that's really just not the way to teach kids about anything. And again, not going to go off on somebody like Josh Schwartz. He was so young and I think he knows that that was not his best writing. He always got better and better as like years went along. I mean, season three was shit and that's mainly because Marissa's such a weird character and Johnny was fucked and all those storylines were weird. But apart from that, all the other characters were written pretty well, like not all of them, but certain ones and Season four was incredible. I think if I tell anybody to watch the OC, I said, don't watch the first three seasons. They're shit. You don't really need to watch them. I guess maybe you do, but season four is definitely the best. And season four has Chris Pratt in it, man. Che, what a fucking great character. Like, I'm sorry. You can't, you cannot fight me on this. I'm going to win this argument. Season one sucks. The, the cool thing about season one that I liked was the other relationships, the relationships with Sandy and Ryan, the relationships with Ryan and Seth, which wasn't really fleshed out that much, but I did find them very interesting. I liked the relationships with everybody else, the family dynamics. Um, and I liked the family dynamics with, um, you know, not just Ryan and his, you know, adoptive family, but his real family as well. I found that quite interesting. I also found Caitlin and Julie's 
um, friend, like friendship as a mother and daughter to be quite interesting and complex. And, you know, there's so many other relationships in the show. Marissa is not the only character. Um, but it did become the Marissa show and it got really fucking annoying. I think that's why a lot of people didn't like season three or season two or whatever because she just became really whiny and, you know, understandable. She's a fucking teenager, but, God, it was so annoying. It was almost like, get the fuck off the screen, Marissa. You're really pissing me off. Like, I can't deal with your shit. Like, fuck off. But yeah, what a weird podcast. I start off talking about my mental health breakthroughs with my therapist and then I start talking about how amazing my fucking dog is, who's a fucking god. And now I'm talking about the complexities of mental health and the TV show called The O.C. Hilariousness. But yeah, I just felt like talking about this crap today. It was something that I'm interested in. I find like... Because I haven't rewatched like an old show in a while. I actually just tried to rewatch One Tree Hill. That also is kind of fucked, but I do like that they didn't they didn't mess it up as much as they did with the OC. You know, they didn't make suicide this attractive thing to do, and they also did show. I have to say, see, I'm switching gears again. People aren't going to understand this unless you've seen these TV shows. One Tree Hill. I was thinking about this. Peyton is such a well, she has so much depth. A lot of people give Peyton shit and they think her she's really similar to Marissa. She's actually not like Marissa at all. They're very different characters. If you've watched those shows, I really don't find them to be similar. People think that the similar ones because they're that trope of that girl that always needs saving and all that shit. But Marissa is very different to Peyton. Peyton is a very interesting character who actually is interesting and actually has a fucking personality. Marissa kind of just stands there, looks pretty, passes out and has all this drama. Peyton actually has interesting things. She's a fucking artist, which is incredible. I think that's amazing. She also has so much self-deprecation about her art, not knowing like she wants it to mean something. Um, she's so interested in music and like all like, whoops, that's accidents fucking fly on my head. She's, she's really interesting and she's got this great sarcastic dry humor that I just fucking love. The more I get older, the more I'm into characters that aren't just the crazy wacky characters that are just outwardly funny. I'm more into like these characters that have dry humor because as I've gotten older, my humor has kind of started to slowly slip into this like dry, sarcastic -y, just like dark kind of humor. And I feel like I'm more connected with a character like Peyton than I would be like with Brooke because Brooke is still a really interesting character and I do find a lot of complexity with her and quite well-rounded in certain parts, written kind of poorly in some ways, but, you know, whichever. Whereas I feel Peyton was actually a really good, well-written character and makes a lot of sense to me, that character. And I know a lot of people hate her, but I found her to be interesting and I loved how they dealt with her semi-addiction to coke and how it basically showed she knew why she was doing coke she couldn't face the pain and the trauma of losing her mother. She still couldn't face that. And so she was using coke as a way to distract herself from the fucking trauma and the darkness that she was facing. And I loved that they showed that, that it wasn't like making coke this attractive thing. You could see that she looks into this like thing. She's about to do this coke line and she's like, I'm fucked. I'm do this isn't going to help. I'm doing this because it's a way to distract myself from all this crushing pain I'm feeling. I love that. It actually didn't make you want to do coke. It made you realize she's doing this because she's distracting herself. It was a really, really good way to depict it. 
It was a good way to not like show kids. Yeah, do coke. Everyone loves it. It was actually the real way because she wasn't getting popular from doing coke. It wasn't like this attractive thing. She was doing it alone in her fucking bedroom and it wasn't, it made you be like, yeah, I don't really want to do coke. I don't want to distract myself. I want to go feel these fucking feelings. Paint was a kick-ass character, man. She definitely needs psychology though. I don't know. Back in the day, teen shows in, you know, people from my generation, I'm like nearly 29. Our teen shows were just kind of shitty. Like they didn't, they didn't really focus on mental health like the teen shows nowadays do. They were a lot more, everyone sees a psychologist in TV shows nowadays. Back then, no one did. You know, it wasn't a thing. So again, I'm not going to give all the writers shit for this because that was the society back then. You know, you can't really do anything with that. But I don't like it when people say, you should definitely watch this. This was such a revolutionary show. And I'm like, look at the time, I get it. But like now, I really don't think kids need to watch these shows. Like they're not that important. And, you know, I feel like One Tree Hill was really good in certain aspects of showing the pain and trauma of being a teenager. Like um, the Jimmy Edwards episode was pretty fucking incredible. Um, Just a really good episode of television. Um, that was really good, actually. I really like that episode. I don't think OC ever actually did anything like that. Um, they kind of semi did something. Well, not semi, but they kind of did a little bit similar kind of thing. Not really, but with the Oliver situation where he wants to kill himself. And even there's a moment where Luke is, like, pretty depressed. That was an interesting moment. I definitely relate to Luke in that moment when he's, like, just really in his fucking traumas and, like, crying and... I'm going back and forth. Nobody will understand this unless I, I have to switch and go, Luke, who's Luke? Is he in One Tree Hill? No, Luke from the OC. Oh, and then I talk about Peyton. Peyton from One Tree Hill? Wait, who are you talking about? Unless you've seen the OC in One Tree Hill, you're probably not going to understand anything I'm saying. But yeah, it's interesting. I do like talking about TV shows. I think I talk about them way too much. I think that's why my ex hated me. <laughs> Like, you talk about TV shows too much. You need a fucking outlet for this. I'm like, that's so true. People can't listen to this, like, every fucking day. Um, but I find it interesting. You know, I do find it really interesting going back and re-watching these shows and realising, I don't like these shows anymore. It's like the scene in season four of The O.C. where Summer is growing as a person. It's so incredible, actually. I love that they did that with her character and that she grows as a person. She's like, I don't like this show anymore. She used to like this show called The Valley, which is basically like The O.C., She's like, I don't like this show anymore. All they do is create fake problems for fake people, just distract viewers from the real problems in the world. And I was like, what a great – that's when you see Josh Schwartz had had really learnt how to write and really learnt his lessons probably as a person because he was so fucking young when he started the show. And I think he had learnt so much. Like his writing was so bomb in season four. The writers on season four really were just smashing that shit out. They were like, fuck it, let's actually just write this well. And that was amazing, that line. That she says, and that's and that's how I felt when I watched the OC season one again. I was like, I used to love this show, and I'm sitting there watching. I don't like this show. This is not my fucking jam. I do not agree. I don't like. I don't like this this shit. It's it's crap for me. Season four though, brilliant, brilliant piece of artwork. I will defend and love season four. There are some issues with it, but again, as a whole, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, nah. Everything else in the OC is just like just really shit not watchable not for me I couldn't even sit there with Lockie like my brother I couldn't sit there and watch that with him I was like nah I'm out I'm I'm going outside I'm bitching about this with my sister and we just talk about how toxic 
OC is. People love season one. I'm sorry. I know you love it. I rewatched it as a person now, as an adult. I just don't see why it's a it's a good show. It, it's not. Season four though. Yeah, good. Everything else, shit. But yeah, that's basically my podcast for today. That's all the kind of stuff I wanted to talk about. I'm sorry if it's dragged on a lot. And I'm sorry if all the background noise is annoying for you guys. But I just wanted to do a podcast outside. I felt more comfortable doing one outside. That was my dog using the doggy door going inside. I was actually supposed to work out before this podcast, but I really needed a break. My stomach is like killing me a little bit of TMI here but I'm on my fucking period so I'm not doing the best I'm craving hazelnut chocolate and I ran out of vegan hazelnut chocolate and I'm so fucking annoying I really want to go to Coles and get like 50 fucking vegan chocolates because vegan chocolate oh my god it's just so fucking good like um I can't have dairy anymore I've tried and it really gives me the shits. Like I know that's, and again, TMI, but it really does. I can't have dairy. So vegan chocolate has been amazing for me. And the good thing about it is it's so expensive. So I don't want to buy too much. So I don't actually eat as much. <laughs> it's so funny. When I was younger, I could eat like two packets of Tim Tams a day. And now I'm just like, that does not work for my body. I would not only do you gain weight from it, but fuck man, it, it fucks up your digestive system. We're not supposed to eat this much lactose. Like we're not supposed to have that. Like it's, I don't think it's good for our bodies. Um, that's my opinion, but I just, I don't agree with it. So I'm also, I've noticed when being vegan, I've started learning more recipes. Um, I don't, okay, I'm, I'm not going to call myself vegan. I don't really want to do that because I, I'd like to say primarily plant-based because I will occasionally have eggs and if the opportunity is there, I'll have sashimi. But other than that, I don't eat meat products and um, I don't really own any leather, many leather products, to be honest. I don't like to, I don't actively go out and buy it because it's expensive. So yeah, primarily plant-based as a person. Um, I don't want to call myself vegan, but it's so much easier if I go to a place and just ask for a vegan thing because it won't have any of the things that hurt my fucking, hurt my body. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, I'm a bit of a, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. I like, I like cooking now. I've, I've, I've gotten into cooking. I never liked it before, but since becoming like more plant-based, I'm learning more about what's in foods and what's in nutrients and how do you make something like vegetables taste a different way and what spices, what herbs do you use? How do you cook it? How do you drain things? How do you soak things? Like it's a really interesting, cooking's interesting. And I found it, I always didn't like it because I was always hungry and I wanted it now. And I didn't, you know, I was like, ah, oh, I want it now. I also had a lot of trauma with cooking. My parents kind of fucked that up for me, but once I was like here by myself, I was like, okay, I have the freedom to just do whatever I want, right? Who cares if it's shit? And so doing that has been really amazing. I've been learning all about like what goes in what and what I can replace things with because sometimes I'll get daunted by a recipe when it says you need cinnamon, ginger and chili and I don't like any of those ingredients. I don't hate chili. I just can't really have it because it's too spicy for me. Um, but I don't really like the taste of ginger and I hate the taste of cinnamon. So I had to, I just Googled, what are the replacements for that? And there are, you get like nutmeg, um, 
uh, smoked paprika or something for chili or, or something. And like a lot of these things do have replacements. I had no idea. And I'm like, now I know this. I'm like, fuck it. I can do all these other recipes. Just replace the ingredient that you don't like with something that's similar kind of effect, but just a different taste. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. I want to make my own hummus. I was thinking about that today. I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to try to make my own hummus. But what if it tastes like shit? Like I'm just worried it's going to taste like asshole. Like, um, I don't want to fuck it up. I feel like maybe I should just buy my own hummus. It's like maybe it's a less effort. But it's not really. I looked up hummus and the recipe is not that hard. It's not that fucking hard to make. We have a blender. It shouldn't be that fucking hard. I've got cashews. I'm just worried you have to use a lot of cashews. And I need my cashews for my cauliflower lunch bowl recipe. So I don't know. Maybe I, might, I won't make. Oh, but I really want to. I really want to make hummus. I love hummus. It's so fucking delicious. I'm addicted to hummus. Like if I could just sit there and have crackers and hummus all day, I wouldn't eat anything else. It's so bad. I don't know why I'm addicted to it, but it's it's so fucking good. Anyone else out there addicted to hummus? I don't know. It's just it's like the fucking it's my favorite thing to eat. And it doesn't give me the shits and it's so tasty. It's like the best of oh, veggie chips. I'm just into all these new foods now. It's so interesting. And I do like a lot of there's vegetables that I've started getting into that I never really – I liked but I never really liked that much. Like I like Brussels sprouts and, you know, I like roasting red onions. Roasted red onions is fucking delicious. I never realized how nice that is but it's really good. Next week – so my sister's going to send me this gravy recipe that's so amazing. Her gravy's delicious. And um, I'm going to have gra- gravy with roast – I want to do roasted sweet potatoes. Am I going to do roasted or, or mashed sweet potatoes um, with some greens and some onion and a few more roast veggies? Just do this nice veggie roast. Like I really miss roasts. You know, I, it wasn't really the meat thing. It was more like just the roast veggies and something roasted. And I think that's going to be my meal for next week because it's kind of cheap. Like potatoes, are, sweet potatoes are generally pretty cheap and Vegetables are actually generally pretty cheap. And because I don't eat a whole lot, it kind of goes a long way. Like I made Buddha bowls this week and I just like, I still have, I still have one left technically. I still have enough to make another one. Like I don't, and I got that shit on Sunday and that's like, it was like $20 basically, I think. Or maybe less actually for all those ingredients. And that's been like four or five fucking meals. I don't know. It's been a lot of meals. So, yeah, that's also another thing that's been happening with me. I've been experimenting. Also, another cool thing, I drove a car. <laughs> I don't have my L's yet. I'm studying for my L's. I really want to get my um, my learner's permit. Again, I've never done it because I've had so much trauma with being inside a car. I have trauma with everything. I've had trauma with cooking, with being inside a car, with everything. I've, I've had so much issues with everything my childhood kind of just fucked up everything in my life everything became scary um but driving a car was scary and I'm lucky I have my brother who's actually a really really good teacher he's actually a teacher so he kind of he's a really good person to like help me drive and he's quite calm and relaxed so when I'm having a panic attack in the car freaking out he kind of is able to like offset that by not being not joining me in that panic attack I feel like if I did that with my mom it would just be chaotic because she's crazy like that but with my brother, it really works out really well. We kind of offset each other. It offsets me from being too, like, getting too panicky. And I did. I didn't drive very fast, but I did go really slowly. And I haven't done it for, 
like since I was like 18 or something. So it was nice to like experience what it's like to drive a car and I am learning. I've been practicing my giveaway questions and I want to get my learner's permit. I want to get a car and I want to be independent. And so that's another thing that I've been doing is trying to study for that. And every Sunday me and my brother go out and we practice just driving a car, just like being in the car and things like that. And it may seem kind of pathetic because I'm like 28 and I've never really learned how to drive. But again, like a lot of these issues in my life have prevented me from doing this. I'm only just slowly now starting to learn all these things, learn cooking, learning how to drive, doing things for myself, really becoming my own person, learning what foods I like, what I don't like, learning the ways I do things and what I do and not like is really interesting. It's like I'm kind of getting to know myself as a person and, um, you know, slowly learning more about my music tastes as well and not being embarrassed by what I like, which is really interesting. And also realizing things that I don't like anymore, like the OC, like I except for season four, which is amazing. But things like that, like realizing I don't like these shows. I used to really like them. I don't like them anymore and that's okay there's nothing wrong you, you grow up and you kind of just change your interests um also switching switching gears to another different tv show that i wanted to talk about was um i'm gonna leave this podcast soon <laughs> i've been rambling on for a bit another thing i realized when i was younger because i love the tv shows buffy the vampire slayer and angel i love those shows i'm a bit more of a big f- I'm more of a fan of Angel, to be honest. I feel like the themes in that are more relatable for me. But I do love Buffy. And one of the things about it was that when I was younger, I used to love like the first three seasons. Like I just loved the high school years. I thought they were the best. Now I'm older, I realize they're not really the best. And I think the best season of Buffy, and this is my opinion, is season six. It is the one that really talks about all the darkness and the traumas. And and that's, I think, the kind of TV shows I'm into. I like when they approach these subjects and they come up from a very real perspective and a very, you know, these are the shows, these are the kind of themes I like. And I think Buffy for a lot of it was quite, could be quite self-absorbed into itself. And Buffy season six was really learning all of her narcissistic shit and really learning about all her pain and traumas to the point where she has this conversation in season seven where she traces a lot of it back to her relationship issues to the issues with her trauma with her parents where her dad cheated and things like that. It was just interesting and complex. And I think that I'm still into Buffy. um, But again, I think there's certain seasons that I'll watch and certain seasons that I'm not really into. Angel, I think was an incredible show when David Greenwatt was in it. Obviously when him and Tim Minear left, it fucking went downhill as fuck. But for the first three seasons, Angel is like, fucking brilliant season two and three are probably the best I still love season one it is classic but um season two and three yeah like there's so many amazing themes in Angel people really overlook that show but don't realize the fucking genius that David Greenwald and Tim Minear brought to that fucking show it was fuck Joss Whedon like fuck that dude he's an idiot oh yeah he's okay he has written some amazing episodes I'm not going to give him shit yeah he did do some incredible writing but fuck those guys really knew how to make a show it was incredible and if I'm, I'm going to – It's it, again, a lot of my opinions will probably be really unpopular with people, but I really do feel like Angel was ahead of its fucking time, man. The themes that it dealt with in adulthood is brilliant um, and just incredible. So, 
I know I keep switching gears with TV shows. And if you've never seen One Tree Hill, The O.C. or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you probably won't understand anything that I'm fucking saying. And you can just switch off this podcast right now. But whatever the fuck. That's what I want to talk about. Um, That's what I feel like talking about today. And it's really fun. I'm actually liking this podcast right now. I think it's really good to come on here, talk to no one and just be a crazy ass bitch about everything in my life. But yeah, I still have my shitty times. Today was a little bit better. I do feel like that therapist appointment, I definitely needed it. (laughs) I'm going to be addicted to therapy. (laughs) That's going to be my new addiction. Um, Side note, I'm going to have a drink of alcohol on Saturday. On Saturday, it will be my one month anniversary of staying sober. So yes, how am I going to celebrate? I'm going to drink. Um, now that sounds really toxic, but I'm not an alcoholic per se. So um, I feel like if I don't drink on Saturday, to me, I feel like that's me depriving myself of just having fun with my brother. It's my brother's birthday and I don't really want to sit there and not be social. I am going to try to monitor myself and make sure I drink water and I have, I'm healthy with the alcohol, but I don't want to be too strict on myself and I want to have fun. And I've been wanting to like, just have a beer, like just literally just have one beer on like a sunny day and just chill. Like that's a nice little secret comfort that I do like is a tap beer. It's good. So I will be doing that. Um, don't think I'm going to go off the rails. I really feel like it's just something that I'm looking forward to is just relaxing, hanging out, you know, with my brother for his birthday. We've never really hung out on his birthday in like, fuck, God knows how long he has. I don't think I've gotten to hang out with him for his birthday for fucking years. So it'll be really, really nice. That'll be really good. So I'm excited about that. And other than that, not much is really going on in my life. Like I don't have a job. I Maybe my life is shit and I don't have anything going for me, but um, I'm still going therapy. I'm not dead yet and I'm slowly trying and I'm slowly trying to cultivate all my relationships that I have already and keep communicating and that's all you can do. So if anybody's listening to this and you're going through a lot of similar issues that I have and you're going through that darkness, you're opening up, opening up Pandora's box and you're going through your traumas. Just know like it's, it's supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to be fucking easy. It's not gonna, it might not even get easier for a while, but at least you're doing it. A lot of people don't know how to face this shit. A lot of people will just stay in their distractions and they will keep doing it. And that that's not saying those people suck. That's it's, they're not, that's, it's an incredibly hard thing to do and you don't have to feel bad if you can't do it. But If you are doing it, that's fucking brave and it's incredible that you are actually staying away from distractions. Like I don't have a job. I've actually quit all my distractions and I'm doing this by myself. That's hardcore. And I know there's people out there that are doing it by themselves as well. They don't have friends. They don't have support. I'm lucky I do have some support. I do have my brother. I do have my sister and I have my dog. I'm lucky I have those things. But sometimes those things, sometimes you can't talk to your family. And sometimes it is really, really hard. And sometimes it feels like you have nothing and you are nothing. And that's because you've been told you are nothing your whole fucking life. And you start to believe it and it starts to be a thing in your head and you start to do it to yourself and it becomes your pattern. 
but the fact that you are actually doing this and you are actually trying to get out of it, like really trying. I don't mean just going to a psychologist and half-assing it and still doing all your patterns. I mean like really trying. That's incredible and no one does it and you should be proud of yourself and I should be proud of myself. And I can easily say this to other people, but again, I'll probably leave this podcast and be like, I suck, I'm a piece of shit, I'm so self-critical, fuck my life. But yeah, I think it's something that we as people who are going through this kind of pain need to sit there and kind of appreciate how far we've come as people. And so no, I am not a successful person. I haven't done anything with my life, but I feel like with my therapy sessions, sometimes when I'm, because I hadn't, I'd had such a big break from my therapist, I'm like, are they doing anything? But I think the week, going back to weekly sessions, seeing my therapist again, I am really reassured that I'm on, I'm heading in a right, I'm heading in the right direction, I feel, because I am slowly but surely opening up more to my therapist. Like today was pretty big. I was like, I do feel really good about just letting this shit kind of go you know, and talking about stuff that I don't, that I talk about, but I just have no, I kind of emotionally detach from it. And weeks and weeks ago, my therapist asked if I wanted to really talk about this moment with my stepdad and I just wasn't ready. And I think I wasn't ready back then. Now I am kind of ready, I think, to really kind of talk about these moments and how much they really did fucking hurt me and the pain that I went through as a kid and having my dog here has been so incredibly healing and I'm just so glad that I have those two things. My therapist and my dog have really, really, yeah, you know, surrounding myself with that kind of stuff is probably the best thing to do and, yeah, I'm still daydreaming a lot update I'm still daydreaming a lot but you know I really don't want to give myself too much shit for it it's pretty understandable that I'm doing it my therapist is really great at validating my feelings and really like letting me know it's so understandable that you're doing this you know it makes so much sense based on your past like that that kind of really 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 helps me in terms of letting her see the real me and slowly but surely I feel like we we are getting into a groove, into my therapy where I am starting to be like, okay, I can do this. I can go to a therapist and, you know, I have had moments where I'm like, I want to speed up the fucking process and get to like the part where I lock my unconscious. And it's just not like that. I can't really live like that. So yeah, this is my process. I'm going to keep trying and I may come back on this podcast and say, I want to kill myself. Or I may come back and be like a fucking mess and panic attack here. I may come back and I'll feel better or be the same, whatever. Or I may come back and just talk about what I want to buy. But this is how I feel right now. And I'm going to try and stay with this for a while um, and see what happens. But that's the end of the podcast. I'm sorry if it was a little bit everywhere, but that's all my podcast bitches. Um, so have a good one, guys. Um, I'm going to go work out. Oh, I really don't want to. I'm thinking I'm going to. I, you know what I'm going to do after this podcast? I'm going to procrastinate. I'm going to make another fucking coffee, sit out here, have a couple more cigarettes and then eventually go in and work out. Ugh. Working out is so fucking hard. <laughs> 
once I'm doing it, I'm totally fine. And then once I've done it, I'm like, yes, I've done it. But then like the before part of working out, I'm just like, the effort involved. (laughs) The fucking motivation or lack thereof is frustrating. But yeah, I am going to work out. I don't like, does anyone like working out on their period? Maybe I should just skip this day, but I hate skipping days. For some reason, I feel weird when I skip a day. I'm so hard on myself that way. I'm like, I don't want to skip a day. I don't want to, because I work out every day. So I, and I work out pretty hardcore. So like, I don't, but I don't like skipping days and I really should. I probably should give my muscles a break because my stomach is killing me. Maybe I should just not do abs today and just stick to arms and legs. But fuck, I just want to do abs. It's good. Anyway. I hate it. I hate leaving the podcast right now. I'm having so much fun just chatting and talking shit, but I do have to go. I can't procrastinate this whole day and my computer laptop is going to die because I brought it outside. And I didn't bring the charger. So yeah. Also, if there are neighbors around me hearing my conversations, they know everything about me now. I don't care. I just didn't want to do this podcast inside. I was just like, nah, fuck that. I want to be outside. Anyway, I'm sorry if the audio is a little bit weird. I'm sorry if all this shit happened. You know what? I'm not sorry. Again, my pattern, I'm always sorry. Fuck me. Ah, self-deprecating bitch. Anyway, um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And I'll see you later, I guess, or hear you later. Anyway, all right. Later, bitches.